Hi, this is Tanya Domi. Welcome to The Thought Project, recorded at the Graduate Center of the City University of New York, fostering groundbreaking research and scholarship in the arts, social sciences, and sciences. In this space, we talk with faculty and doctoral students about the big thinking and big ideas generating cutting-edge research, informing New Yorkers and the world. Heath Brown is an associate professor of public policy at John Jay College and the Graduate Center CUNY. He studies policy process, interest groups, presidential transitions, and education policy. He is the author of five books, including the forthcoming Homeschooling, the Right, How Conservative Education Activism Erodes the State, which will be published by Columbia University Press in early 2021. Charles Tien is a professor of political science at Hunter College and the Graduate Center CUNY. Professor Tien is co-editor of Polity, Journal of Political Science. His research interests include American politics, Congress, quantitative research methods, representation of minorities, and women in the U.S. Congress. Welcome back to the Thought Project, Heath Brown and Charles Tien. So here we are in New York City, less than one day after the final day of our election, all the while during a pandemic, which is exceptional as well. A new president has yet to be declared, and the counting continues in several states, including Georgia, Nevada, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. A red mirage dominated last night's returns, triggering Democrats with PTSD as they watched President Trump pick up one state after another, but not flipping any state from red to blue throughout the evening and into today. Vice President Biden actually flipped Arizona and Nebraska congressional district to Biden has overtaken Trump in Wisconsin and expects to overtake him in Michigan, too. The governor of Pennsylvania and the secretary of state gave a press briefing this morning advising the public that every vote will be counted. Last night, the president said he would challenge the count in Pennsylvania, and just in the past hour, his campaign announced he would solicit a recount in Wisconsin, costing him about $3 million if he follows through. So here we are. And I'd like to start with you, Charles. What are your thoughts about yesterday's events and where the situation stands today? And let's join in where you want to go with this, Heath Brown. So I think it reveals a a polarized country that remains polarized. I think there were uh, indicators that maybe right there would be a repudiation of Trump and Trumpism, uh, especially in, in, in the national polls. And I don't think that happened. And so the country remains divided. It remains divided by gender. It remains divided by education. Uh, it remains uh, divided by race and ethnicity. And I don't see that end ending anytime soon as, as the country uh, is projected to become more diverse uh, in, in the next uh, 20, 30 years. And so I think it's an indicator of where we're at and probably where we're going. And it's also a country divided about COVID. And, uh, you know, how do, how do we deal with COVID? Are we going to um, have a mask mandate? 
Are we going to focus on the economy? And so um, there are clear divisions in this country, and, and, and we saw the country splinter uh, along those lines last night. And you, Heath, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, it's such a pleasure to to come back. I, I always uh, look forward to your podcast, and and I'm always very uh, uh, a little a little fearful coming on, Tandy, because I know how closely you follow this, and I'm always marvel. I always feel like I'm coming uh-huh. on to be interviewed okay. by Steve Kornacki about you know some county race uh-huh. in Wisconsin that you've studied in depth. Um, and, I'm and not so that's playing what, hardball here. Well, that, uh, <laughs> if you replace uh, uh, Chris Matthews on hardball, I would be a watcher of that show. Um, and it's 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 uh, it's for that reason that I'm, I'm so excited to be talking about this. And you know, I largely agree with Charles. Um, I think that um, you know, had you had you told me yesterday uh, at about this time that we're, we're recording that this is where we would be at, I would say that sounds about right. Um, I think that what we were told about the counting of ballots, the amount of time that it would take, like under normal circumstances, uh, is exactly what has played out. Uh, it seems to me that that what happened, what we what we learned last night, is what we expected to learn. Um, maybe not, maybe not every you know uh, everyone expected it, but but generally that was the expectation. And the expectation um, about what has been playing out today, a day after, and may even play out tomorrow on the following day, is also very much what we would expect. This is a, such a funny election uh, because uh, voting is happening in such different ways. But you know, the rules are on the books. Um, every state, every part of every state knew what they were looking at. And, and it seems to me that, uh, though, though I would agree that there are many areas of concern related to what Charles described in terms of the administration uh, of this election day, things worked out pretty well. Um, People uh, who wanted to vote voted. People wanted to vote last week uh, could vote. People wanted to vote by mail, could vote by mail. And it seems like all those votes are being counted. So there's a lot of things we talk about, a lot of things that are worrisome, but but the, the major worries about how things were just going to play out yesterday seemed to to not have materialized. And, and we had a, a fairly standard American election in 2020. Standard and, and uh, 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 what we would expect does not mean it's something that um, we should all be pleased about, but it's kind of, kind of what we would expect. And so um, so I'm sitting here today thinking this is, this is kind of where I thought we'd be, not really knowing, but having some kind of signs about where things are gonna be heading over the next couple of days with some big wild cards related to lawsuits um, that, that will play out over a longer period than anyone wants. But again, this is, this is what the rules set up. And so um, we know what the vote thresholds are um, and when a recount is, is permitted. And so those will likely happen in some places. And um, I think that they, uh, it's unlikely to change the outcomes, but that's kind of the system we've got. So I think there's a lot of reasons that we should be confident in what happened yesterday and pleased that the administration of this election uh, turned out pretty well. Yeah, I think the historical uh, early vote, uh, the energized uh, early vote with people around the country uh, was very, very inspiring, I think, from a democracy standpoint. Um, But, you know, it's very interesting that the president of the United States wants to, you know, gaslight those those votes and say that they're fraudulent. So we'll we'll see where that goes. I don't 
it seems like his own campaign uh, and maybe the people in the White House don't really like that dialogue. They're not really amplifying it, which is interesting to witness. Um, I do want to say that I think last night, uh, Charles, I think last night Democrats were were despondent because I think they anticipated a a blue wave and it didn't manifest. And not only that, uh, the Senate uh, candidates that seemed to be fairly competitive according to polls just did not did not uh, get traction at all. And probably one of the greatest disappointments to the Democratic Party, I think, today, um, just within the last, like, maybe 90 minutes, Susan Collins was declared the winner in Maine, a really beleaguered candidate. What are your thoughts on that? And on the polling in general, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Democrats we're, we're talking about big gains in the House and, and the Senate, right, leading up to, to yesterday. And so I think there has to be a reevaluation about um, about why that didn't happen. Uh, you know, we're all kind of scratching our heads. Why were the polls so wrong? Um, and, uh, you know, po polling is, is, is something really hard to do about uh, on, on election outcomes because you're dealing with a a population of people that that's a moving target, meaning that, um, right, you're trying to predict who's going to vote and then how they're going to vote. And so when you don't really know who's going to vote uh, until it actually happens, uh, you don't know how to how to pick people to be in your in your poll. Uh, and then you don't know how to weight your your sample. Yes. Uh, right. right. Once you have have a right. Uh, a, a sample and and response rates are are ten percent or lower and so it's just a really hard thing to do. Gallup stopped doing it after two thousand and twelve, uh, and and there's going to be a I think a reevaluation of of right how polling is done. Um, you know, one one solution was to average polls and to look only at high quality polls, but but you know uh, those those methods also led us astray uh this year so it's 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 something that that i think um the polling industry is going to have to um evaluate and 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 think about seriously and and that's that's the media included right because the media are sponsoring these polls uh, and are, are running their own 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 polling um shops right um Heath, what do you what do you think about you were talking about process and it, that it went well, and and I think that's probably true. I mean, all of us were watching people line up and stand in lines and did it in the early vote and all day yesterday. Um, but one of the things that happened on election day was that a federal judge ordered the U.S. Postal Service to sweep uh, postal offices to make sure that ballots were Which delivered. They ignored, I believe. Yeah. Yes, and. Um, not only that, but there there was reporting today that mostly in the battleground states, this was a big problem for the U.S. Postal Service. I'd like to hear your thoughts, Heath, and then Charles, please chime in. I don't, I don't know the magnitude of, of the problem. I, I, I don't, I don't think we, we really know. I think there's lots of um, reasons to be concerned and. and things that we might worry about, but, but I haven't seen any 
evidence yet to show the magnitude uh, of this problem, and I'd be curious about it. Um, you know, the the, um, the differences that we see uh, across some of these states to me is is one of the things that I find most most interesting, and, and I think the polling side of this. Um, is, is, is really interesting, but also some of these, these changes in what's happening just in a place like Wisconsin, uh, which, which at the time that we're uh, recording this has been called for Joe Biden, uh, which, which Donald Trump had- Oh, had Wisconsin won. just called, was, has been called? Yes. Uh, that's, really that's right. You know, and, and, and Scott Walker has, has made uh, uh, public comments, the former governor of Wisconsin, has made made comments. Former Republican governor of Wisconsin has made comments that that uh, the, the margin here makes it a, makes it a pretty steep climb for for Donald Trump to uh, pursue a, a, a recount. But you know, I think if you if you look at what happened in Wisconsin, you really see a story of of um, the strategy of the Biden campaign, uh, knowing that that winning Wisconsin and, and winning Michigan. And winning Pennsylvania were the best path to 270. And you look, you look at you know, some of these changes from 2016 to, to 2000 uh, to, to this year. And um, you know, in, in some of the biggest parts of, of the, the state, like Milwaukee and Dane counties, um, in, in Dane County, for instance, Democrats uh, in 2016 uh, had a 47 point margin. Biden increased that to 53 percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, 53 points. And similarly in Milwaukee increased the rate and in, and in counties in large counties that Donald Trump uh, was won in 2016, um, like Brown County and Racine, uh, Kenosha County, he consistently won by smaller margins. Um, and I think that's, you know, this, this sort of this, this what's going on at the county level at this point is tells, I think, a much more interesting story about kind of what's happening in the country than, than some of these sort of state level findings. So the state level numbers are ultimately what determine what happens in the electoral college. They don't say as much about what's happening really among the electorate, among sort of the political changes in the electorate. And I think as we move ahead and as, as a final winner is, is mm-hmm. declared over the next days, weeks, hopefully not months, um, I think that's where uh, I'm so interested in in where the analysis goes to see, you know, at this kind of county by county level, uh, where where the electorate is is changing in places like Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania and so forth. So I'm very interested in, in sort of seeing how that plays out over the next couple of weeks mm-hmm. because these state level stuff will will shake out and you know and and right. you know, tell us some things, but they tell us things mainly about the artifacts of the way the rules are set up not as much about how uh, how the electors actually viewing politics and, and viewing candidates. Okay. I guess I'm not as as, as sanguine about about the 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 process. The process and, and where we are as a country. Um, I mean we we have a president uh, who is actively uh, suppressing the vote. Uh, we have a, a president who appointed the head of the U.S. Postal Service, uh, who was taking sorting machines um, out of out out of service. Um, we have a, a postal service 
that's underfunded and and unable to delay, uh, unable to to deliver mail in a, in a timely process. Um, I mean, we're looking at a a, a failed state or, or or close to a failed state in in many regards, uh, and and half of the country unwilling to do anything about it. Uh, we have a, con a, a a president who declared uh, on the night of a uh, the the election that that he had won uh when that was you know far from the truth and uh and again you don't have a repudiate a clear repudiation of, of of a president who behaves that way and so by his own um, party for sure yes 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 uh, but, but you know, you know and, the, no and and i agree but you know the, the uh, uh the rnc did did in many ways there were officials in the rnc rejecting what what the president said last night and you know what, I guess I'm really interested in, and um, Charles, is, is where you would look to, to, to find the effects of those um, problems that you just described related to uh, shutting down polling locations, um, delays in delivering the mail. How would, you, how would you figure out the effect of that on what happened yesterday and today? Right. Where, where well, would you look, where would you look for those effects? Uh, well, it's very hard to it's very hard to to find those effects um, because when when people have been uh, discouraged to vote or or um, right they they've been intimidated into into not voting uh, and and the country has a long history of doing that uh, they stay at home uh, and and so you know the the black turnout we know was was uh, significantly less in 2016 um, than in 2012 but we don't know if that was because uh, right, Barack Obama was no longer on the ballot, or 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 because of other tactics like voter ID requirements, um, and so it's it, it's hard to 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 know. But the fact that you know the president is actively calling uh, for for polling stations to be to be monitored, uh, which is simply a signal, right, to to go out and intimidate voters. Um, that that that's the what I'm, I'm, I'm so uh, right pessimistic about in terms of uh, of our country. We we should have a president encouraging people to to vote uh, and not and, and not scaring them uh, from from voting. Right. right. So vote, overall I... voter turnout in 2020 is up uh, is higher. Right, and uh, it could it have really been has... even higher. We don't know, right? Yeah. So... And so that's that's I guess you know kind of the the interesting question is. How high could it have gone? It's remarkable, given given we have an incumbent president who has has done all of the things that you've just described, and yet still voter turnout during a pandemic, when simply leaving one's home to to cast a ballot or even place a a uh, mail-in ballot in the in, in the uh, deliver it to the mail uh, to a mailbox involves uh, public health risks. Even still turnout uh, was was higher than it's been really in a generation. So one, I guess the question is, so what was the ceiling for turnout? And is there any kind of uh, uh, um, sort of dynamic effect of the president's rhetoric on strategy to turn people out? And, and the given, you know, so the give and take there um, is, is what was, is very hard to observe. Um, it says very little about, um, how pernicious the president is in his his uh, his approach to the election, um, 
how voters responded then is pretty remarkable, given all of these, these um, real symbolic rhetorical barriers that have been put in their way. Right. More than more than just rhetorical barriers. So yes, what's the the uh, we could have a hundred percent turnout, um, and and you know we could we could make uh, <clears throat> election day uh, a federal holiday. We could we could have the uh, early voting across the board. We could have same day registration all across the country. Uh, there are a lot of things that we could do to increase turnout, and and there's no interest in doing that by. Um, a lot of people in the country, not just of, of one party, but of both parties. Absolutely. Well, I would just say, uh, just based on reporting, you know, for example, in Texas, which, you know, has always been a state that couldn't vote, you know, there's the oppression of voters there. They're, they're indicating like 67% of people who actually voted early were new voters. I mean, so because people just weren't allowed to vote there, make it so difficult for people to vote. And that's just one, that's an anecdotal, uh, you know, example of perhaps uh, new people coming into the electorate. And I would also say reporting indicated, and I saw it, people were interviewed, Trump, you know, or the president's trying to stop me and I'm going to go vote. This right, is my right. right. I'm going to exercise my franchise. Right. What do you think about that? I do think it was a motivation for a lot of people to vote. Um, Absolutely. I, I think, you know, the, the electorate was energized uh, on, on both sides. And, uh, you know, in Texas, the, the voting by by car in Harris County, uh, which the Republicans tried to, to throw out all those vo votes, um, right? There was a an, that was a sign of innovation um, and and something that that the voters responded to. Right. Yeah. There's over a hundred thousand votes casted in that in that venue. Uh, let me just say, as a former congressional staffer, I have I have a bit of uh, insight. Because I used to uh, work for somebody who ran the po U.S. Post Office Oversight Investigations Committee uh, when I was in the House. And Pete um, Slasky. Yes. Yeah, the no, person I worked for uh, served on that same committee. Okay. Post Office and Civil Service. I'm talking about Frank McClosky. This okay. was on it, too. The two guys from Indiana. Right. Anyway. I, I just would say I think that has to be investigated. That's why you have Congress to do some oversight on what happened. And, of course, we know that it, that oversight has really been impeded and it's not been followed through if there has been investigations. And maybe, maybe if Joe Biden is president in this next Congress, Republicans will feel uh, more uh, able to carry out their responsibilities without Trump in the White House. We'll have to wait and see for that to take place. But it's just a thought I have today. Are you suggesting that Republicans losing control of the White House would make them uh, regain their, their uh, uh, passions for the checks and balances built into our constitutional system? This, this, uh, uh, this, this would seem a, a, a headline for most newspapers, that Republicans regain their their faith in the Constitution and right. their belief in the separation of powers, I think you're absolutely right. This is this is what happens, uh, and and one of the great risks uh, that uh, a, a potential Biden administration faces is is uh, whether they are willing to back up 
their their faith in Congress mm -hmm. uh, with with a change in the direction of the presidency. Uh, are they willing to give back control? Uh, are they willing to sit for hearings? Are they right. willing to send right. their members of their cabinet up to actually answer questions? Or would they see that in, in essentially the same way the Trump administration saw, which was an impediment right. to carrying out their agenda? Um, you can see it cut either way. Uh, Joe Biden Right. Kamala Harris are creatures of the Senate um, and their commitment to the, the power of the Senate and, and House to check the executive branch is, is, is deep and, and uh, strongly felt. But when you're sitting in the White House and you're trying to pursue an agenda, um, right. you, you, start, you, you start to lose some of your faith uh, in, in the, uh, the positive role that the Senate and House might play in, in helping you carry out your, your goals. So, we will see if 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 that if that happens whether they remain committed right. to uh, checks and balances. I agree. I agree. That'll be interesting to see how that happens or not, and what kind of relationship is going to be had. I mean, Biden has deep ties in the Senate, and so he knows McConnell, and it, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen. And I think that he has been warned uh, by the left in the party that you know he can't give away the house. You know, he, I mean, so to speak, as as an expression, he can't give it away. Uh, there's, you know, there, but he's not going to have a Senate. And I just want to, he's not going to have a Senate majority. I just want to go back to that. Is there, is in the intra-party uh, aftermath of this washout on the Senate where you had almost a dozen competitive seats, according to the polling, obviously that was not correct. But is there going to be some ramifications within the party and maybe for Chuck Schumer? I'd like to hear some thoughts on that about what happened. Um, just a really big missed opportunity. Any thoughts by either of you? So what, tens of millions of dollars was uh, right. spent in, in, in Kentucky uh, and McGrath lost, uh, was trounced really essentially right. right tens of millions of dollars were spent uh on the south carolina right uh race um also the main race which you're saying now is 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 uh going to collins yeah um you know could 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 the outcome have been different in 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 maybe just a couple of those races if if uh right resources had been marshaled um to focus on 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 a handful of races right uh, the texas race also wasn't wasn't even close so um you know i i i think democrats wanted a uh a, a, a prize from from tuesday night and they uh and they didn't get it that's right uh in in all and of these senate Hickey races Looper and mark kelly right which know. weren't terrible surprises and and right those weren't the prizes they were looking for, right? They were looking for for Lindsey Graham, and they were looking for for Mitch McConnell to go right. down uh, to clearly repudiate mm -hmm. what was what's been going on in the Senate for the last two uh, to four years. And so, right. I mean, yeah. it speaks to the power of incumbency, I think. And uh, you know, we all know that that incumbents win. Uh, so what, 73, 75% of Senate incumbents win, over 90% of House incumbents win. 
And sure. so it's just it's just really hard to to beat an incumbent. And and I think you know we saw that play out again. And and you know there was no blue wave, and and Trump did much better than what the polls were saying. But president presidential incumbents tend to win as as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the last time we've seen uh, a party lose after just being in power for four years was Jimmy Carter, right? If you count Bush's uh, loss to, to Clinton as as Reagan's third term. You know, then then you have to go back uh, right to uh, to the early 1900s before you see um, right a party Turn lose right. uh, af- after just being in power for four years, and so um, that that I think you know speaks also to to why Trump did so well last night. And and if he loses, and and it looks like he is going to lose, it's going to be a historic uh, election sure, just because of of right an incumbent. Uh, first-term incumbent losing. Sure. I just I, I will just throw it out here, guys, uh, and say it'll be interesting to see if Chuck Schumer is the minority leader in the Senate in the next Congress. I, I think that there's going to be probably some maneuvering uh, for that for that position. I do well, think so. I don't, what I don't do you doubt think, that. Keith? Yeah, I don't doubt that. I mean, I think I think um you know, to Charles's point about the, the power of incumbency, we, we I think can get very caught up in in the you know these landslide elections and and that that overwhelm this this strong power of the incumbent, uh, incumbent uh, which which is you know holds up election after election after election. And I think what what you know in defense of Chuck Schumer, who needs no defense for me, um, <laughs> you know, the question is where would you where would you have spent your money differently? Um, the Trump uh, generated uh, enormous fundraising potential for the Democratic Party and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Um, where would you have shifted that money, assuming that you, you like the candidates that you have? Right. And I haven't heard anyone say Jamie Harrison wasn't a good candidate. Uh, he isn't a candidate they wouldn't no, have I thought liked he was to a spend. Great, he was actually a great candidate. For- oh, yeah. And so I don't think saying right. you're going to, we, you know, it was a, it was a poor decision to spend the amount of money on Jamie Harrison's race, knowing that it was always going to be an, uh, an uphill battle. I think that in Chuck Schumer's defense, and I think that the money spent in Kentucky and the money spent in South Carolina and mm-hmm. Montana and elsewhere, you know, serves um, the long-term party building goals uh, that are, are different than the immediate uh, wing back of the Senate for the Democrats. Sure. And I think that if you, if you look back at 2020, in four years or eight years from now, uh, and you look at, at the Democratic Party in South Carolina, it's going to look much more vital, uh, much better organized, mm-hmm. and the same thing for Texas. And it's hard to take the long game when you're an elected official. But I think if you were if you were to ask Chuck Schumer what's you know what happened, he would say you know let's 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 revisit this in four years or eight years mm-hmm. and see how the D- Democratic Party looks in those states and whether they're healthier, more competitive than they are now. And, and I think he would say, I'll, I'll, I'll offer a, a bet that they will be because of enormous spending that didn't result in electoral, electoral win in 2020, but, but set things up uh, for future uh, campaigns. That's a defense. You know, but I think that, I think that you know, when, when you're sitting on a lot of money, what do you do? Uh, you have to spend it somewhere. And they were 
faced with an electoral map that you know is somewhat outside of their control. Uh, and I think that the party building benefits is something that we can't underestimate. Oh, I, I don't. Absolutely not. And knowing people down in South Carolina, Jamie Harrison won in their view. I mean, what the way he carried himself, the way he carried out the campaign, he inspired a lot of people. And in many ways, he won without winning as a person who's really been engaged in politics for many years in South Carolina. But I do bring up Chuck Schumer because there was Patty Murray had had considered challenging him for majority leader when he, when he was elected and then she chose not to. So I'm just throwing it out. Sometimes this happens. It just sort of happens. Um, and it's just something that happens when there's, there's a loss, when people lose, there, there can be changeovers in leadership. Um, the other thing I just want to bring, um, bring up is that last night Republican women did well in the house. I'm not on top of all those who did it, but just make a note that Susan Collins becomes the longest serving woman in the U.S. Senate that, as a Republican woman uh, in being elected to the a fifth term. And she was really endangered. Any thoughts about that, Charles? About I mean, the Republicans have not had hardly any women in the House. If you just look at the House floor, it's just so white male it's going to be striking to see some women on that side. Yes, uh, you know, lar largely that's driven by by who runs, and uh, it's been really hard to uh, get women to run for Congress. Um, you know, we saw, uh, you know, in, in 2018, a large number of, of women on the Democratic side uh, run, um, and I guess, you know, Republicans were, were successful in recruiting uh, women to run in, in, in 2020. Um, but one of the challenges, I think, for both parties and uh, in, in getting more women elected is, is the getting uh, getting them to run, uh, because once they do run, you know, I think they do they do just as well as men are pretty close to it in terms of, of fundraising mm -hmm. uh, and then in terms of, um, you know, how they do at the at the ballot box. Um, so the challenge is candidate recruitment. And, you know, that's that's where. Um, you know the Chuck Schumers and 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 the and the party leaders uh, have a big role to play. Um, speaking of process, um, I just wanted to bring up one other thing. I mean, in the House, uh, Heath, the Nancy Pelosi has held on to her majority, although she's lost a few seats. It looks like, as of this afternoon. The D's had elected 193 and the R's had elected 185 and the count continues. Um, does Nancy Pelosi, um, I think this continues to uh, basically reaffirm her leadership uh, and it'll be interesting. What are your thoughts about her going into this next Congress uh, given that she's going to have to negotiate with McConnell between the House and the Senate. Yeah, I, don't don't cross Nancy Pelosi. You know, she's the most effective um, uh, speaker, you know, in multiple generations. Um, as effective uh, as as any speaker, you know, that, that one can think of. Uh, I think she will continue to play that role. 
she's a, a lightning rod, uh, but so incredibly effective uh, at, at um, in in that role as speaker uh, that 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 there's nobody that that is um, in place to replace her anytime soon. And I think the Democrats would be foolish to try to replace Nancy Pelosi as, as speaker. Um, she her uh, record of success is is just too um, solid for them to look look elsewhere. And of course, there will be um, uh, people who, who put their hand up and, and try to move to the front of the line. But I, I don't see it. I, I think she is uh, as successful a leader of the Democratic Party in the House as, as they've had in a long, long time. Yeah. Um, any thoughts there, Charles? I, I think she has a firm uh, grip on, on her caucus. Uh, she was responsive uh, right to, to the caucus's uh, desires for for another stimulus uh, at the end, right? She worked hard with, uh, with Mnuchin to try to get a stimulus uh, passed. Maybe that was more for show, but I think she was driven to the bargaining table by her caucus, at least by the um, right the, by the first term uh, freshmen who, who, who felt that they needed something uh, when they when they went back to the district's campaign. And so um, she did the best that she could for them. And, and you're right, she is going to have to to bargain with uh, McConnell. And, uh, you know, this, this time, though, she'll have a partner in, in Joe Biden. So she may have better luck. Uh, bargaining with with McConnell with with Biden as mm -hmm. as president, but you know who knows. Um, Trump wasn't much of a presence, I don't think, in uh, in in negotiations with the Hill, right? And so he sent his surrogates up to to do that work, uh, and and I think that's why, right? You 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 didn't see much produced legislatively uh, by Trump, right? He got his. He got his tax cuts, uh, and and that was about it. But mostly, that was because he was working with, um, with a divided government, and and that's what we're we're going to see with with Biden. Should Biden win, and Republicans maintain the Senate, it's going to be you know more divided government, more stagnation, and uh, you know it's, it's not another um, two years of 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 getting things done, but but another two years of of you know, status quo, I think. So uh, what do you think? Uh, like the last question, and, and we're looking at the counts are continuing. What do you expect? Uh, there's been announcements about asking for a recount in Wisconsin. Um, and, you know, the count will continue in Pennsylvania and probably they should have it done within the next day or so. How do you think the rest of this week looks? What are your thoughts about that, Heath? Yeah, I think they um, they will play out in the way that that all these election officials have indicated uh, they will. I think they have been uh, pretty forthright in explaining uh, in a in a state by state and even a county by county level when they expect to have. Uh, the various um, final counts done. And I think the same thing will happen with, with uh, potential challenges in the court. Um, I do think that, that Donald Trump has strongly overplayed his hand, thinking that the Supreme Court is there to, to bail him out. Um, I don't think this is going to end up in the Supreme Court, uh, but I think that his 
view of politics, which is skewed in so many ways and in, in such a peculiar uh, way in which he, he, he sees Washington working um, mm -hmm. has convinced him uh, of something that is that is truly a mirage and, and is just not going to happen. I don't think the Supreme Court uh, has has any interest in getting involved in this election. I don't think they have any interest in, in hearing uh, the type of case that Donald Trump imagines them uh, welcoming that would tip the scales in their favor, which is not to say that there isn't some possibility that it winds its way and ends up the Supreme Court in some aspect of this, but, but, but his rhetoric and his vision for how the Supreme Court will play a part in this, uh, uh, I think is, is, is foolish. And the Supreme Court uh, would not play along with, with any of that uh, in the way that I imagine he, he uh, imagined uh, 2000 working. Um, I don't think this is how this election is going to uh, play out. I think that there will be challenges in the courts and based on what we see in Wisconsin, those aren't going to go very far. Uh, these recounts don't generate that much of a vote change. They haven't in the past. I think it's unlikely they will uh, this year. And so I think this is gonna play out slowly um, but somewhat predictably over the next, uh, let's say, week to 10 days. Sure. I hope so. I hope so. So, you know, I, I breathed a, a, a huge sigh of relief when I saw uh, Wisconsin and, and Michigan earlier today um, uh, with, with Joe Biden leads, not, not because of my partisan leanings, but because what that meant is that the Trump supporters uh, would want the county counting of ballots to continue. My greatest fear was uh, that with with Trump in the lead by slight margins in those states, he would call on those his supporters uh, like he was doing last night to essentially stop the counting. And so I was fearful of, of vote suppression or the stopping of counting right by by Republican activists uh, charging into uh, right ballot counting sites like they did in Florida in, 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 in 2000. And so right. that's not going to happen, I don't think, right? I don't think. But uh, hopefully for the rest of the week, there's peaceful counting of the results and and both parties, right, agree uh, that, that, right, that, that the outcome was determined fair and square. And, and hopefully we have one side conceding. That's best case scenario. Best case. Worst, worst case scenario is is it's close and nobody has has 270 electoral college votes yet. Uh, and and you have a contested count in in one of those states, maybe. Uh, and, and you have a court challenge um, to right to invalidate some some votes uh, and. Then, then you have a, a a challenge of of the the seating of the the electors, the electoral college, the calendar, yeah, yep. uh, and state legislatures, right, to make the final determination in uh, in in which electors are seated. So I think in Michigan, I think in Wisconsin. And I think in Pennsylvania, you have a Republican controlled state legislature. That's right. 
That's right. Um, you have Democratic governors, but you right not. Democratic governors right. and and Republican state legislatures. Uh, the Constitution says the state legislatures determine uh, who the electors are, and and they don't have to to pay heed to the popular vote count. So if 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 the popular vote is contentious, uh, disputed, you could have Republican legislatures saying. Uh, you know, the, the electors in this state are going to be for Trump. Um, and and when you have that scenario uh, play out, that, that'll be longer than a week, probably. Uh, but then the, I think the rules also require that that the Democrat, the, I'm not sorry, uh, the governor, in this case, a Democratic governor, um, right, has to um, validate the, the electoral votes and send them uh, to the Congress. And so maybe you get two sets of, of electoral uh, votes from, from one of these states. So this is, you know, wild worst case scenarios. Uh, and, then, and then the process plays out uh, in Congress, right? Because then, then uh, as you know, right, the, the House determines who, who the president is. Right. And you can have a challenging of the electoral votes uh, in, in Congress also on January 6th. So you could have if one senator, right, and 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 one House member uh, challenges any of the state's uh, electoral votes, um, both of those chambers then have to uh, investigate and make a determination. And if the House is controlled by Democrats and and the Senate is controlled by Republicans, you could have different outcomes uh, in terms of of right which which ballots are are counted. So then it gets kind of interesting. <laughs> well, I hope they're all exhausted by the election. But nonetheless, thank you so much for coming today, the day after this election that's holding the whole country on the, uh, the edge of their seat. So I want to thank both of you, Heath Brown and Charles Tian. Yeah, so thank you so much. I can't believe we've gotten through this whole conversation. We haven't talked about a former CUNY president losing an election last night. Uh, Donna Shalala lost her race in, in Miami. Oh, uh, oh I did, I'm sorry. Thanks for bringing that up. No, and 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 I, I predict Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are ultimately successful. She will be named, uh, appointed uh, uh, Secretary of Homeland of, of Health and Human Services. Human services like she was uh, Coming back into her job that she held 25 years ago, uh, okay. just like... Uh, Donald Rumsfeld uh, had, had a break in, in his positions by 25 odd years. Donna Shalala will do the same. And so she will be back in Washington, in uh, back in the executive branch, if all those things happen. So that's right. my, uh, my well, prediction. Brown, thanks for that. I did not know. You get the last word. Thanks for tuning into the Thought Project. And thanks to our guests, Professor Heath Brown of John Jay College and Charles Tian of Hunter College both distinguished faculty at the Graduate Center. The Thought Project is brought to you with production, engineering, and technical assistance by Kevin Wolf of CUNY TV. I'm Tanya Domi. Tune in next week.